Welcome to the Art School Podcast. I'm Ken Goshen. Today, I had the distinct pleasure of speaking with one of my favorite living artists, Ilya Gefter. Ilya is a painter, art educator, and the founder and director of the Visual Arts Center in Tel Aviv. Ilya has shown in 14 solo shows before he was 40. He's won numerous prestigious awards, and his work can be found in notable public collections in the U.S., Canada, Spain, and Israel. He has written for Haaretz newspaper and has done curatorial work for Rothschild Gallery in Tel Aviv. Ilya is an exceptional artist and thinker and a tremendous inspiration to me, so I'm very excited to bring his voice and his ideas to all of you. One important note, I highly recommend not stopping the episode when I say, I feel like we should end on this, and then ask Ilya to tell everyone where they can find him. This is because after he obliges, he asks to touch back and elaborate on a topic I brought up earlier. And trust me, you do not want to miss what he has to say. If you find this podcast valuable, please take a moment to rate it highly wherever you're listening, especially on Apple Podcasts, as they weigh listener reviews very heavily. Every five-star review helps this podcast reach more people. So thanks in advance. And as always, this podcast is brought to you by the generosity of my Patreon supporters. You can become a supporter too at patreon.com slash Ken Goshen. By pledging just $2, you'll be invited to join me for a live painting demo every Thursday of January. That's roughly a quarter per demo hour. And you'll know your support goes towards helping me produce more educational content everyone can enjoy, including this podcast. Many thanks in advance. And now I bring you my conversation with Ilya Gefter. So, Ilya Gefter, thank you so much for taking the time for coming on the podcast. My pleasure. Thank you for uh, inviting me. It's a real honor to have you on because, as you may or may not know, you're one of my absolute favorite living artists and wow, I'm, I'm such an admirer of your work and I think you're one of the people that um, whose work I show most frequently to my students because I think there's so much to learn from the stuff that you do and I think a good place to start is perhaps tell us where you studied and who taught you to perform this magic that you're up to. Well, well, that's a lot of stuff. Thursday, thank you so much. I, uh, I didn't expect to hear this. I had no idea that uh, my work is being shown to uh, people uh, on the other side of the Atlantic uh, on a regular basis. Uh, now, how did I get there? Um, well, it's, uh, it's, it's always a work in progress. So it's uh, uh, being somebody's uh, favorite living or one of one of your favorite living artists, that's, uh, that's quite, quite, quite a load. Uh, and it's a pleasant one, but it's quite a load. And then I'm asking myself, well, uh, how much more time do I have to live? Uh, because, uh, and hopefully that's a lot of time. So, so it's uh, part of what I do is about being a perpetual student. Um, in terms of my formal education, um, I went to the, I studied at the Maryland Institute College of Art in Baltimore. Uh, uh, I studied uh, in Italy, uh, mainly informally, but also in some short-term formal settings. Um, and I studied quite a bit on my own, um, which I would say is the uh, main aspect of 
any educational process for a painter. Uh, I can't say that I'm self-taught, but uh, that wouldn't be true. Uh, I had some very, very important uh, teachers that I uh, still value and admire. Uh, but um, figuring stuff on my own has uh, occupied at least, well, I don't know, uh, well over 50% mm. of, uh, of my study. Uh, <clears throat> Who are the teachers how, that you admire? Just if I could interrupt. Well, um, well, it's uh, there, there. Essentially, there are three types of teachers, uh, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, there is nature that you look at. There is art history that uh, you perpetually examine and re-examine, and uh, there are people that you can meet in the flesh. Uh, who have profound professional experience and uh, who you can uh, study from. Um, in the Maryland Institute, I uh, studied mainly with uh, Mark Carnes, uh, whom I had the great joy of meeting quite recently, years and years after, uh, after I um, graduated. Uh, he's a uh, very uh, honest painter. Uh, very obsessive painter in the best sense. Um, uh, there are a few other people who I didn't study for an extended period of time in any kind of formal setting, but whose presence uh, as human beings and as artists have been uh, uh, very uh, influential, very inspiring. Um, I would even say awesome, in from, uh, um, awesome uh, meaning uh, like awe. Mm -hmm. They are awe-inspiring individuals and professionals. Uh, so unsurprisingly, one of them is uh, Antonio Lopez Garcia, mm -hmm. uh, who I uh, got to meet in Spain a few years ago. Uh, another one is an Israeli painter, I, uh, Jan Rauchberger. Mm. I didn't study with him formally, but uh, but we communicate and I uh, get to see his work once in a while. And he's actually uh, teaching at my school in Tel Aviv uh, nowadays. Um, and there there are, there are many others, uh, but I'm just I'm, I'm just mentioning mentioning the main few that come to my mind as we speak. Um, before I went to the Maryland Institute, I studied drawing and composition with uh, an art, well, <clears throat> with a professional that most people wouldn't know, um, and not uh, never never really exhibited. I uh, didn't have much of an art career, and he was a glass sculptor uh, by the name of Alexander Kaprak. Um and he taught me. I, I was really young. And he taught me uh, the principles of composition uh, um, way before my uh, formal training has started. Mm. Uh, uh, so that uh, these are the uh, main few individuals in a nutshell. I mean, I, I don't want to offend anyone. There, there are many more, but uh, but I can't keep going on and on. Uh, at the same time, I, it, 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 it's never it's not. Um, there are never there are never too numerous. There are, it's 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 never enough, really, uh, because there there are, there are many people you respect. There are fewer people you admire, 
uh, and there are always more people that you want to uh, um, uh, to have a profound affinity with. Mm. Like if you have, if you if you if you have three, you're very lucky, uh, and you have ten. Uh, you're just uh, it's it's like uh, winning the lottery, but it's still not enough. <laughs> That's interesting. I love I love how you put it, and uh, and the extent to which you you emphasize the self teaching and self learning as part of of what helps you develop your style. And I think this this brings us to an interesting topic because when one looks at your work, and all listeners should go look at Ilya Gefter's work uh, before listening to this conversation, because it's going to inform a lot of it, uh, at iliagefter.com? That's correct. Okay. So your work, I think, is, is exceptionally, like, it's very unique in that it both looks completely contemporary, and there's, there's no doubt that these are things that are being done in, in the 21st century, at least to me, but also... It exhibits a strong affinity to tradition and to the great art of, of, of Eon's past. So maybe you could say a few words about your relationship to, to tradition, to contemporary art. Um, what are you thinking about these things? Okay, okay. Well, that's, uh, th- th- there are quite a few things to unpack, and you can tell me when to stop, because I think... Don't stop. We're not, not pressed for time. Go for it. Okay, okay, okay. So uh, there are... Um, art history is a vast thing, virtually infinite. Um, I mean, it's it's bigger than any one of us. It's way bigger than anyone in any one of us, and it's kind of like history, like like world history. You make out of it what you want. Uh, because you you cannot grasp everything and you choose what to look at and you choose how to make sense of what you see uh, so what I any what I personally or anyone else what what, what we as painters get from our history I mean it's very much affected by who we are and things we can't control, like my DNA, my, uh, my unconscious preferences, uh, uh, where I grew up, and so forth and so on. And that's where I'm getting at. I, I, uh, I was born in St. Petersburg. Uh, so, uh, yes, I don't remember if it was, I was, was five or six when I uh, went to the Hermitage Museum for the first time. I was taken to the Hermitage Museum. Um, <clears throat> and uh, and it's it's a very it's one of the greatest museums in the world, uh, uh, one of the largest museums in the world, maybe the largest depends how you measure size. Uh, um, and it's quite traditional. So so uh, when uh, when I was uh, I was I was six, it was still the, when I was six, it was still the Soviet Union. So uh, there was no 20th century art to be seen past uh, uh, 1915, maybe. Okay. Uh, so you got to see a little bit of cubism, and that was it. That was the end of art history. If mm. you if you if you only got it from the Hermitage when 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 uh, at the time when I was there, as a little kid. Now it has changed. Uh, so it's. Um, and it has these amazing, amazing collections of traditional European art. One of the best collections of Rembrandt uh, 
and other Dutch painters, uh, Rubens Velasquez, uh, uh, not a huge collection of Impressionism, but uh, but very high quality. And I'm assuming a lot of Russian artists like probably Levitan and, and Repin? Not in the Hermitage. That, that, that was in another museum. I see. So uh, in the Russian museum. So, uh, so I got there only when I was seven. Okay, so plus, it's a traditional European palatial structure. So, so it kind of, it, it, uh, it, 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 informs, uh, it informs your predispositions. Uh, you go there as a young uh, kid. Um, then, uh, and, and the main thing is that I, I loved it. I loved looking at paintings. Um, I uh, had very, very clear preferences. Uh, it's, it's like um, I, I knew what I liked and what I disliked. Uh, I couldn't explain it, but, my, but, but it was very, very clear to me from the earliest age. And, um, and uh, now if I fast forward uh, to my uh, time in, uh, in the United States, you know, I, I chose to I chose to study in the United States. It wasn't natural by any means. It wasn't easy getting there by any means, uh, by any stretch of the imagination. Um, and uh, and I was there to be uh, one of the reasons why I wanted to be there is to be in the midst of uh, this vast corpus of amazing collections. Okay. Um, and uh, I was living in Baltimore, so I, so I could travel to Philadelphia, uh, Washington, New York, and so forth and so on. And I did. So by uh, the, my uh, second uh, year in college, by my sophomore year, I told to myself that I must uh, go to a museum uh, every week. Uh, and I, I didn't limit myself to any particular museum. It could be anything. It could be uh, it could be the uh, Walters collection. It could be the Baltimore Museum of Art uh, with some uh, more recent artwork. It could be any place in Washington and so forth and so on. Um, because I wanted to, uh, like, now why did I do that? Um, I felt like I have to uh, challenge my own knowledge and my own predispositions. So let's say if I grew up looking at Rubens and Rembrandt, I wanted to see some abstract expressionism. Uh, I wanted to learn what I wasn't getting from the formal college structure. And uh, my feeling was that I wasn't, I was not getting more than I was effectively getting there, uh, uh, which I would say is natural in any art education. Um, and uh, I wanted to fill in the blanks, all the, uh, as many blanks as possible. And I wanted to test everything that I was indeed getting from my professors. So let's say if Mark Carnes was saying anything, I, uh, no matter how much I um, admired him, I wanted to see that in a museum. I wanted to go to a painter that I love uh, from, let's say, I don't know, 19th century, early 20th century, doesn't matter. And I wanted, okay, and, and, and I would ask that painter, was my professor correct? Mm. Can I find a proof in uh, amazing works of art in the museum to what I'm being taught mm. or what I'm, or what I assume is right in painting? That's extremely so, mature. Uh, yes. Uh, well, I, 
I, well, it's I don't know. Uh, uh, like when 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 you miss something, when you when when something is absent from your life, you have to grow up. And and I was feeling that a lot of knowledge was absent. Mm. Um, and I was I was trying to uh, find it. I was trying to extract it from. Uh, I mean, you don't need to find it. The museums are there. Uh, the the great canon of uh, um, art history is uh, is there. You, know, you just you, you open an art, the most basic art history book and you discover what the canon is, and you can open another art history book and discover some alternatives. Okay, uh, so the 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 uh, the art is there to be seen. You have to extract the information out of it. Mm. And I think. That's that's so interesting, and it, it brings to mind another topic that I've been thinking about lately. I think the the canon of art history and the way that we, you know, go there to kind of mine for knowledge and mine for mm-hmm. information, is still a little bit different than the corpus of many other disciplines because some some amount of that knowledge is still lost. I would say, unless you you might disagree, but I think we do look at Rubens and we look at Rembrandt and we can theorize how we think they did what they did and art historians mm-hmm. theorize how we think they did what they did. But for, mm-hmm. for many reasons, some of which were the fact that they needed a competitive edge and they weren't too inclined to completely write about exactly how they do what they do. Mm-hmm. There's something um, that uh, is very different, I think, because we we're doing a lot of guesswork. <laughs> we're doing a lot of mm-hmm. guesswork. We're trying to build this puzzle in our head of how these things came about. And this requires... Um, us to be way more active you know you could passively learn a lot of disciplines when people just tell you what to do but you're talking about a very active practice where somebody tells you something and then you go to the museum to verify and check mm-hmm. it up against the data against the evidence mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. well um, i i see what you're saying um and uh there is no doubt that a tremendous amount of uh knowledge has been lost uh the um i don't know what part of that knowledge is intuitive and what part of it is learned um and as far as i'm concerned only a small part of the knowledge that i'm interested in is technical mm. a very very small part of that of, of the knowledge that i wish to discover digest and hopefully pass on in my paintings or in my teaching, only a small part of that is about how the paintings are to be made physically. Let's like If I put Rubens and Rembrandt aside for a second, and I go to, let's say, let's pretend that we go together to the Egyptian wing of the Metropolitan Museum. Mm-hmm. There you might find lots of portraits of me by Fayoum. <laughs> I look like I look like all. <laughs> oh of yeah, those that's portraits. right. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's right. Well, but but the, the, these are fairly recent. This is not exactly Egyptian art, right? Okay. Uh, so in let's say if you go um, fifteen hundred years in uh, into way into the uh, previous era, mm-hmm. okay, it's like. Uh, 1500 uh, years BCE, uh, 2000 years BC, and so forth and so on. Well, first of all, they don't look like you at all, nope. these sculptures. So, no worries, no worries. <laughs> um, and in fact, they don't look like anything. 
they are well we're we're obviously we're looking at stone sculptures some 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 wooden sculptures too but mainly mainly things made out of very very hard stones i have no intention whatsoever of carving stone i mean i i carved marble for a couple of weeks and uh that has completely ruined my uh my my my, my fingers uh well i i recovered since then but uh and so but in in uh and marble is a very soft stone by comparison to uh, to uh, the uh, stones that the Egyptians preferred. So, so I have no intention of replicating that technically. Uh, on another hand, on a, on a human level and on an aesthetic level, uh, it's it's way out there. I mean, there's nothing like it. And um, uh, it's very, very strange uh, what, uh, what you see there. It's uh, very human what you see there. And it's more contemporary than anything else. Mm. Uh, because if you show an Egyptian sculpture to a person who has never seen an Egyptian sculpture, they will have no clue how to date it. Mm. Okay? It, uh, is more, it is more contemporary than most things you would see uh, in, uh, in the art that is being produced today. Uh, because, it's, because it's so strange, it's so unusual, it's so profound and it's so human. Um, and and then, then I'm asking myself, okay, I have no intention of carving rocks. Right? Uh, then I ask myself, okay, what is so profound and what is so amazing about it? Uh, what is so human about those cultures and what is so beautiful about them? And if I can extract that information, or that intuition, uh, then I can carry it into my studio. But not on a technical level, because I'm using oil paint. Okay? Um, so so that, that is one extreme example of how art history uh, can be fundamental, uh, revolutionary, in, I mean, in, in a sense that an Egyptian sculpture can re revolutionize my work, my attitude to art, mm. um, um, without being a how-to thing. Okay? So when you, if I, if I may probe mm -hmm. into what you said there for a second, so when you're asking yourself these questions that do seem extraordinarily profound, like what is it that makes this thing so extraordinary, so unusual, so difficult to date, and yet so human? What are some of the answers that you come up with? Mm. Wow, that's a tough one, especially with Egyptian art. Um, um, anything I say would not be serious enough, okay? because, 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 because Egyptian art is so serious. Uh, maybe to be, to, be, uh, to be a little bit more in a, in a safer territory, um, I would, uh, before I answer your second question, I will give a more open answer, more detailed answer to your previous question. Mm -hmm. what, how, what, I mean, what, what, uh, how, what kind of questions do I ask works of art and what kind of information I extract? Let's say, okay, where uh, I, I leave the Egyptian section, uh, the, the Egyptian wing of the Metropolitan Museum, and let's say we go look at, uh, some, um, a, uh, some Rembrandts. And then, uh, if, if you said uh, paintings by Cezanne, mm -hmm. okay. Uh, personally, I have no intention to paint like Rembrandt. 
I would be very, very happy if I could do it. You know, if I, if I, if I knew how to, uh, but it's, but I have no intention to do it for myself. It's like, it's, it's something that I want to know without doing it on a daily day or on a weekly basis in the studio. Uh, well, same goes for Cezanne. I think. I mean, if you if you if you look at uh, post Cezanne paintings uh, in uh, European art history, like early twentieth century, they kind of look ridiculous. <laughs> uh, a lot of them, I mean, not all of them, but a lot of the uh, painters who were influenced by Cezanne. I mean, that's, that's just fine. Um, well, because because they, they they were influenced by. A style which was indeed very, very charismatic as a style. It was revolutionary. It was something in way out there, unexpected at that time. And, and of course, people were, uh, painters were kind of swayed by it. Um, and some time has passed, and, uh, and a painting like Cezanne nowadays is even more ridiculous. It's, it's more ridiculous than ever. <laughs> um, and now it doesn't. So, 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 so when we look at Cezanne, normally we don't do it in order to figure out well how did he mix those colors, uh, what kind of brush he used, and and uh, what pigments he preferred, and what was his medium. Uh, we look at Cezanne uh, to figure out something more structural, something more um, uh, strategic rather than technical. Um, uh, to figure out something um, more human, uh, and, and for me, you know, when I, now I, I mentioned Rembrandt in the same sentence uh, because I, I, I look at Rembrandt in the same way. Mm. I mean, I, 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 uh, I, I, I'm trying to find structural patterns, mm. um, uh, and uh, and uh, I want to find principles of aesthetic of aesthetics and principles of expression. You love listening to podcasts, but have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? Maybe you want to build a brand, grow your business, or are looking for an excuse to talk about your favorite hobby. Whatever your reason for making a podcast, Buzzsprout is the place to start. Since 2009, Buzzsprout has helped over 300,000 people launch their own podcasts. Buzzsprout walks you step-by-step step through the whole process and will give you powerful tools to start, grow, and monetize your podcast. Ready to get started? Click the link in the show notes to get our free step-by-step -step guide to starting your podcast today. Um, I think when you say structural to some of mm -hmm. us uh, that are perhaps less familiar with your work and your teaching, they might think, <laughs> okay, the structure of the cheekbone, the structure of the nose, but that's oh, not no, the, no, that's no, not no, the structure no, you're no, talking no. about. So no, maybe God, elaborate God, on that. No, <laughs> I, God, know, no. I, I know, but uh, maybe you should say a few words about that. Well, I, I, yeah, I, by, by the way, I have nothing against learning the structure of the, uh, of the jaw bones or the, uh, or the uh, facial muscles. Mm -hmm. okay? uh, I mean, I mean if, if, if you want to invest, if anyone wants to invest time, in that kind of study, I mean, that's perfectly respectable. I believe that it's better to know than not to know. Um, but uh, but sometimes when you know too much, you have to figure out what's important. Right. And uh, uh, and uh, when uh, when I say structure, I mean the structure of the canvas itself. Mm -hmm. uh, the structure of the rectangle, 
the structure of the big shapes of light and dark on the rectangle, the structure of the main shape is uh, of, the, of the most essential shapes of color in the rectangle and so forth and so on. Okay? So, so if you if you look structurally, there, you, you can look at the Cezanne and the in the Rembrandt in the same way. And the how-to is, I mean, they, they, it's, it's nothing alike. If you, if, you, if, you, if you look at the painting from a how-to standpoint, they're all very different, and, uh, and, you, and it's kind of hard to tell which one's better. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think so. Like it's, let's say if you, if, you, uh, if you compare Rembrandt to, uh, uh, yeah, to let's say, uh, Jan Liebens. Uh, I'm not sure I'm pronouncing his name right. Well, they, they are. Uh, uh, they probably share the same studio. They think it's in the same style, and you can look at their paintings and to say, okay, this one was better. This one was a little bit less professional, and not me. Not uh, or let's say you can compare Rembrandt to a Rembrandt, or, or, or Rembrandt to a Rembrandt student, and you say, okay, this one's better. This one's worse. Uh, this one's not so great uh, because, because 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 the parameters are the same. Mm -hmm. Okay. When 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 the technical parameters are so fundamentally different, like let's say like, let's see, even even if you compare a Monet to a, to a, to to Cezanne, they, they they were born in the same year, they lived in the same freaking country, but but uh, but their languages were so different, you can't really compare the techniques. You can't say which one which one was better. Well, you can. Cezanne's technique was better for Cezanne, and Monet's technique was the technique was better for Monet. Now, which technique is better for Ilya Gefter, or for, or for, or for you, or for anybody? Who knows? Um, it's uh, and and uh, and the, the way to figure that out is to look beyond technique, to to ask myself, what the hell do I want to say in a painting? Mm -hmm. What interests me on a, on 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 a more human level in a painting? Okay. Uh, and and when 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 I know where I'm going, I, I, where where I want to get, I kind of know how to walk. I figure out a way how to walk. What kind of unique limb will I have mm. if I know the direction? Interesting. And when you say trying to figure out what you want to say with a painting, it mm -hmm. strikes me that you're not necessarily talking about the narrative that is on the surface like for example if we're looking at an egyptian sculpture you're not thinking oh i want to say that there's a man with a hawk's head right you're talking about you're talking about what's underneath the representation maybe you can absolutely say. yeah yeah of course uh uh well they, they, they are we, we we live in an era of conceptual art and uh and um uh so, so things get a little bit confusing when we talk about when when I speak of content, I don't speak of concepts. Uh, these are completely different things. And I'm, I'm uh, as a painter, I'm interested in in, in content. So uh, uh, and if I want to say something in a painting, it must be something that can only be said in a painting and cannot be said in an essay about a painting. Mm -hmm. So, 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 so when I when 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 I uh, think of painting as a as a means of communication, I'm actually being anti-conceptual. Mm. Uh, now, uh, the, and uh, and there are many things that can be said in in a painting 
through the language of painting uh, and only through the language of painting. But uh, um, there, there, there are many, uh, many directions that we can uh, that we can go into. Uh, I think um, maybe at this point, uh, just to make sure that I'm bringing our listeners in, yeah, I think sure. I think I think uh, I'm totally on on your wavelength, and I'm I'm completely following along and, and relate. Uh, I just want to make sure that our listeners understand what it is that we're talking about. And I think maybe a good way to start into delving into this topic is talk a little bit about the relationship between representation and abstraction or representation and materiality. Because for example, let's see, you have a recent body of work, you're painting a lot of seascapes. Mm-hmm. And if I was just a casual bystander, not familiar with with what you're up to, I would say, oh, Ilya is painting the sea. These, these paintings are about the sea, right? But I see your, your smile indicates that there's, there is probably something deeper than that. So maybe you could use the representation versus abstraction slash materiality framework to explain what you're thinking about these topics. Okay, okay, sure, sure, sure. Um, uh, let's, I'll, I'll try to do it step by step. Um, it, as far as I'm concerned, a good painting is not about the things that are written about that painting. Okay? So whatever can be written about, let's say, Mark Rothko, mm-hmm. the actual painting is not that. Okay? It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a completely different experience. Sitting in front of a Mark Rothko is not the same as reading about that painting. Or looking at the reproduction of that painting. So I'm not saying that there is no concept there whatsoever. Maybe there is, but the actual thing is uh, is not the idea that was um, uh, that was invested in it. It's not the idea that was extracted from it by an art critic. It's something else. Okay. Now. Uh, when we look at a representational painting, as far as I'm concerned, a painting is not about what it represents, if it's any good. Okay? It, can be, it can also be about what it represents. So, so let's say, uh, let's say uh, when we uh, go back to a Rembrandt, uh, may, uh, maybe, uh, most likely, uh, his late portraits are, to a certain extent, about that person who was sitting next to him, right? Uh, most likely, that is the case. If the nature and the likeness of Rembrandt's sitter was the only subject matter uh, in that painting, we wouldn't be looking at it. Okay? Uh, those paintings are also about us, you, me, anyone who is listening, they're about you guys, okay? Uh, because you find yourself in them, mm-hmm. okay? They're about, uh, they're human. They're not about uh, some poor merchant. They could also be about him, but they're also about something else, okay? Uh, Some paintings uh, can only be about something else. 
And let's say if we, uh, if we'll, again, if we go back to Cezanne, Cezanne uh, Cezanne's still lights aren't about apples. Uh, if you want to learn anything about apples, please don't look at the Cezanne. <laughs> please don't. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, uh, they're about something else. Uh, about maybe, as far as, again, uh, my personal interpretation of, uh, let's say, Cezanne still life, well, they're about presence. Uh, they're about three-dimensional presence. They're about a very, very fine line between uh, structural order and disintegration. Um, um, and uh, the still life itself was just uh, was just a vehicle to get somewhere. Um, and um, so, 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 yeah. Is it a representational painting? Yes, it is. Uh, Cezanne is representational still, and uh, most other painters are representational in, uh, in one way or another. But if, if the painting is any good, it's not about what it represents. And uh, maybe that is uh, one of the simplest and most fundamental differences between painting and illustration. Mm. Let's say an illustration of an apple is about that apple. It can also be quite beautiful, but it's kind of secondary. It's, you know, you, you look, you, 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 you illustrate what it is, and, uh, um, uh, and, and uh, that, that's the main task. Uh, while, uh, while in painting, it's, uh, it's your least important task mm. uh, to, uh, to show how the apple looks. Now, does, does, it, I, I, does it mean that very, very true to life paintings of apples aren't any good? No, not necessarily. Uh, not necessarily, as long as they express something beyond the thing itself. Mm. Um, for example, the the uh, the light on that thing, which is uh, something I learned a lot. Uh, I learned from Mark Arns, by the way. In what sense, the light, like the light hitting? Yeah, the, the, the yeah, I, uh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I interrupted you. The the uh, the, um, uh, the the magical. Uh, potential of expressing light mm. which of course also ties back to rembrandt in some way of course yeah of course. yeah yeah i think there's something there's something extremely profound about this way of thinking and it's of course something that i also try to follow very strictly this idea that the way that I usually talk about it is there there are multiple layers. And I don't know if you agree, but that's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to discover. I think there are multiple layers to a painting structurally, in the way that you've used the word structure. And mm -hmm. part of the interesting tension within those layers is um, for example, how the narrative, what is depicted is conflicted or brought to bear against the way something is painted, right? We can paint an apple and we can paint an apple like a storm, bold brushworks, extremely thick paint, or we can, we can paint an apple like Serenity with tiny little brushes with a completely smooth surface. And it could be the completely same apple, but these two paintings are going to feel totally different to an observer. And for me, it almost... Is it's similar to, for example, the relationship between lyrics and music, right? Lyrics is what is the song saying, but the harmony, the music, the chords, what's underlying it 
can either be in concert with the words or it could be in conflict with the words and create an interesting tension. Like you could have happy words with sad music or you can have happy mm-hmm. words with happy music. And one of them is going to be more likely to be kitsch. One of them is more likely to be a masterpiece because of the interesting tension between the materiality or, or the, um, the, the tools that we use in order to construct this piece of art and then what lies there on the surface, like words or what is painted, how that relates to the more structural elements. You mean, you're, uh, you're talking about the form content thing, how, yeah. how the different layers of structure relate to the, to the, um, uh, to the content? Well, in that case, content is going to be more inclusive than what, what I mean. Content is a pretty in- inclusive word, but what I mean is literally like the representation. Oh, that's an ocean, right? Because uh-huh. content can also be sublime. You know, the content can also be yeah. what is being painted. There is content mm-hmm. in Rothko. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, so what, what, was, what was the question again? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I, was, <laughs> I think I was just agreeing with you. So what I, what I, another thing that I really want to touch on that I think is, mm-hmm. is really interesting is the fact that your approach to art, which is mm-hmm. at the same time very loyal to the practice of observation and extracting data harmony and 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 everything that there is to take from the world that is around us uh while still putting the emphasis somewhere else the emphasis uh at least the way that i gather it is from looking at your students work which are incredible is there's a lot of emphasis on design i see in their work you really manage to communicate this this uh objective of we're not just doing the apple we're trying to make up painting you know don't be concerned with just painting this glass of water representationally but rather make a painting that includes the glass of water but first and foremost mm-hmm. it's this painting now this is it's a it's a pretty unusual thing because usually when i when i look at the work of of beginners they're completely hijacked by this desire to represent something and to make something that looks like a thing but uh in your school which maybe you can also tell us a little bit about It looks like that thing is not even entering the classroom I, because you, you do post some, some, some of your students' work. And I'm always shocked by how, whether, it is their, whether or not they're successful about the representation, these people are trying to make paintings. And I think that's a big deal. So maybe you can say a few words about that and maybe give us some tips to, to those of us listening who are students of the craft. How can they be more focused on making paintings as opposed to... strictly focusing on the representational qualities of the piece. Wow. wow. That's a <laughs> Sorry, I just dropped the bomb. Uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> sure, 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 sure. Uh, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, <clears throat> I'll try to respond to a few things uh, that you are saying. And if I miss something, so feel free, feel free to, uh, to uh, point out mm-hmm. what I'm missing. And I'll, I'll, try, I'll try to uh, get to everything. Uh, well, there is... Uh, Before, before I get to teaching about art some 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 uh, feedback to uh, your uh, earlier comments well there is there is the in the representational painting there is the thing that you paint okay let's lately it has been the sea in uh, my case or it could be a rose in someone else's case or a portrait okay so there there's what it is that you are uh, representing. 
<clears throat> then uh, there is the material that we are using, the language, or the uh, better say, uh, it's, uh, language is a better word, uh, uh, which essentially includes both the materials and how it is being used. So we, we can use oil painting in completely different ways as you, uh, as you expressed. Um, uh, and then there is something really uh, elusive, which is you know, what, 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 I, what, I, what I said, what it is that I want to say, or no, no, I mean, not even what I want to say, not what the painter wants to say, what the painting communicates to the educated viewer. Mm -hmm. Uh, the uh, let's well, we, we can, for lack of a better word, we can call it content. Okay. These are three different things, and I was saying that, uh, I'm totally agreeing with you that, uh, that the thing that we paint is not the material that we use, and we can paint the same apple in completely different languages using the same uh colors. Okay. So, and, and, and those differences um, of how different painters would paint the same apple using the same colors, uh, but having different intonations and having different uh, phrasings in, the set, in their sentence structure. Like I, I, I use that word metaphorically, of course, how they apply paint. Uh, what kind of paint, uh, what, what kind of color, color, color relationships they create, uh, what kind of textures they create. All these things are uh, structural on one hand, and on another hand, these are the things that directly inform the content. Um, now, for the painting to have any pictorial content, it has to be a painting. So, in that, and, and that's where we get to the idea that what it is that you paint or uh, any, anyone paints is secondary. And in order to make a good painting, um, uh, let's say to make a good still life, uh, if you look at a bunch of oranges in front, you can you, you must not paint the oranges. Uh, <clears throat> uh, you. You have to take them apart as, uh, let's say, as uh, sources of raw pictorial material, mm. colors, lines, shapes. And you have to select what, which, which of these raw materials are useful in your painting, and you have to put it back together again. Mm. Now, in Northern, you asked me a very interesting question. How uh, how um, how can I explain to listeners or to my students uh, that uh, a painting is a painting and how to make a painting that looks like a painting rather than being an illustration of an orange or a glass of wine or water or whatever? Exactly. Well, uh, in my uh, in my in my school, there are really no shortcuts. It takes time. Uh, it takes time for me to distill the ideas into very, very clear sentences. And it takes, and 
assign uh, all my students to absorb these sentences uh, that I that I'm saying and uh, and uh, and have them inform the structure of their studies. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so the so the element of time is really essential in this craft. It, it, it's 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 not how to think that you can uh, learn and then do automatically. Mm. Uh, information is very important, but it's not enough. Yeah, it, it, it has to be experienced. I mean, it has it has to it has to be digested through work. Mm. But maybe there are still a few things that, for example, you see in some people's work and then you have to advise them listen this is not exactly where you want to be focused i'm just going to give a a simple example because i know that people who are listening to us are just going to be ah really want to get at some of those yeah, things yeah yeah, I'm, yeah 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 incorporate yeah, them into- I'm, 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 I'm getting there i'm just, oh. I'm just being slow <laughs> <laughs> all right then i won't give my example then i can't wait to hear yours Oh, no, no, please do, please do, give, give oh, your example. So I was, I was uh, going to say that for me, for example, I would see a student, you were saying that there's a bunch of oranges, right? And these students mm-hmm. are extremely busy with trying to make those bunch of oranges look like a bunch of oranges. And then I might come around mm-hmm. and say, well, perhaps you should be more concerned with where that bunch of oranges falls in your frame. Right now, a lot of my attention is being given to the bottom most right corner of the frame because you've been there for two hours trying to paint an orange and there's nothing on the top left side that's going to balance me against those oranges. And that's going to lead to me looking at your piece of oranges and, comp- and not wanting to linger there for one extra second because the frame is not designed. And that means you are illustrating oranges to me in a way that does not add up to becoming a painting. A painting should be something that... stops me in my tracks you know i'm walking through a museum there's a million things around me there needs to be something about the design of that frame that causes me to stop what i'm doing devote some time to this visual object that's in front of me and then i can walk up close and be impressed with how you rendered an orange but that doesn't happen first that happens later so this is like people worrying about putting sprinkles on the ice cream but there's no ice cream in the cup yet so the sprinkles are just piling up on the bottom of the cup and that's uh, that's how silly that looks like to me yes yes uh well we we uh we pretty much give the same examples in very very similar words uh i pretty much say the same thing um Uh, 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 um, except that well uh, I teach in Israel so we're, we're being far or less politically correct and, uh, and, and, and uh, I don't give the ice cream example I, 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 uh, <laughs> I, uh, I give a different example uh, I, 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 give, I give a different example I say well okay let's let's, let's say that you've been uh, You've been uh, rolling in mud for the last uh, uh, two days or you, you've been uh, you've, you've been uh, living uh, amongst the trash can cans for the last uh, three weeks and now you want to make yourself pretty okay are you starting with makeup <laughs> I love that no, no, no okay maybe maybe you first take a shower maybe go to the gym or uh, get a haircut. 
and and uh, makeup is the last thing. And when and, and then there is a question: Well, when are we ready for it? Mm-hmm. And the answer is very simple: As soon as it becomes unnecessary. Mm. Oh, that's great. As soon as soon as the rendering of the orange becomes completely unnecessary for the quality of the painting, that is the time when you are ready for it. Wow, I love that. And what made you decide to open your own school? What, uh, what led to that? Hmm. Um, okay. Okay, interesting. Well, uh, I'll, I'll try to answer that. Um, I, I, before, I opened, uh, before I opened my school, I was teaching for some time in uh, other uh, private institutions. Um, and, uh, and I figured out that just like, let's say, when you study in a certain place, okay, when, when, when you're a student, uh, the peers you, uh, you are around affect your work. And I was surprised to discover that the spirit of the school where I work also affects my work, although I'm no longer a student on a formally. Uh, and, uh, and sometimes uh, you want to get out of a certain, um, a certain, uh, let's, let's call it spiritual structure. Mm. Uh, they're, they're, uh, no, I, I don't mean spiritual in a, in a religious way. Uh, like there, there is a spirit to a place, like I something see. very local, okay? And, 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 and you want to go somewhere else. <laughs> so where, where do you want to go? You, you have to, you don't know in advance, you have to create, you have to create something new. Um, uh, now, there, there are also way more uh, pragmatic things uh, involved, like uh, when, when, uh, when I was, uh, when I was hired as a teacher, well, I, I, I was observing how the schools operate, and uh, I thought, well, I would do differently. I, I thought that they can be done better. There are certain projects that I would like to do, which aren't being done. Um, and uh, at a certain point, I, I, I felt, okay, these projects that I envision, they are not going to happen here. So, um, <clears throat> for all sorts of reasons, and it doesn't even matter what the reasons are. Um, um, if, if I want to develop as a teacher, which I don't have to, but if I want to, well, maybe that's the time to start something of, of my, uh, on my own. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, and uh, I did. I mean, it, it's uh, my. Uh, it, it, I was taking it. I was doing it gradually. Uh, now my my uh, uh, my school. Uh, I start. Or I, I started uh, with some very very small uh, classes um, independently, and. Um, uh, the following year, uh, I had a studio space for, for the school, and um, the, now we are, if I'm not mistaken, we're completing, we're, we're in the midst of our fifth or sixth year. Wow. That's amazing. And what's what's been the experience of having your own school and 
Was it everything you wanted it to be? Were you able to implement all these projects that you thought were not happening when you were working in other places? Well, fortunately, it's not everything that I wanted it to be because because uh, because uh, if that was the case, it would mean I wanted very little to begin with. <laughs> um, so I, I, I uh, um, and I, I'm not saying that to uh, uh, to denigrate what uh, this uh, what, what what has been done at the school. I'm just I'm just saying that uh, I, I aim a lot higher. Um, uh, there are some projects that uh, that uh, I envisioned, and they and they and they did take place, uh, which uh, which is very gratifying. Um, mainly, having a school isn't about art, really. I mean, that's the sad truth of it. Um, it's not about art. It's it's uh, it's it's a, it's about uh, administration. It's about uh, uh, renting a studio space. Of keeping it relatively clean and so forth and so on. Um, uh, the uh, now I'm, I'm not here. I'm, I'm not starting to complain about it. I'm just. I'm, I want to. Be, I want to be very, very honest mm-hmm. uh, as I respond to your question. Um, the creative thing in the creative idea involved in having a school is that you have to learn lots of new things. Um, I was trained as a painter. I studied art history. I studied a little bit of sculpture. Uh, I mean, having an art school is not about that, right? So, so it put me in a, opening one put me in a position of uh, having to go to school all over again and study new things. Mm. Okay, and then and uh, now I didn't I I, I didn't uh, have the uh, uh, privilege to. Um, <clears throat> to, uh, of uh, two years of business administration uh, studies or uh, MBA or whatever it's called um, uh, before 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 I uh, before I do anything in my in in uh, in, in real life okay so I, I just I had to, I, I, I had to and I still have to learn things as I go and uh, as I learn things, I, I, I impl- uh, implement them and try to be creative with uh, all kinds of uh, um, technical and administrative and strategic uh, solutions. Uh, it's really, uh, now it's, it's not all boring stuff, because essentially in an art school you create an environment. Mm. And, 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 and uh, I, I was talking about the spirit of uh, places where I uh, taught as a hired uh, faculty, Okay, well, uh, you create the spirit of a new place. And, uh, and uh, you want that spirit uh, to be positive for the vast majority of people who come there. Uh, you want it to be uplifting and you want it to be professional. Uh, and, uh, and that part of having an art school is really, really creative. Mm. That's brilliant. I think I'm totally with you because when I when I think back to the various institutions where I studied, the the degree to which I felt like I was learning and I was succeeding had so much to do with the atmosphere, with the community, with the other students that are around me, with a feeling of a shared goal and successfully creating that environment, I think is is the main goal of having a school at least as, as 
at least that's how I think about it. And uh, at least from, mm. from looking at the works that your students produced, it's looking like that atmosphere mm. is definitely happening. Well, I, I very much hope so. It's, it's, uh, I, I'm, I'm, I cannot be clearly aware of it because, uh, because I'm, I'm always at the, uh, in the process. Uh, like uh, when, you, when you keep chopping wood all the time, you have no idea how the ship looks. Right. Um, <laughs> and and, uh, and, um, and uh, the only way to uh, to figure that out is really is uh, communicate with uh, students and see what they are doing, and uh, and, I'm, and I'm trying to uh, uh, to do just that uh, to uh, to to look at my students' work again and again, and uh, and uh, figure out uh, what have I constructed through the smallest and simplest uh, still lifes or uh, portraits uh, that they make. And I'm sure Corona must have uh, introduced a lot of obstacles into the mix, both, I, I'm assuming, in the studio and in the, and in the school. How did, you, how did you manage that? How did you negotiate that? Did that cause any changes that have to be implemented in order to come to terms with the new reality? Well, you 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 uh, asked that question in, in in a very very unreasonably optimistic way. You first you phrased it in past tense. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's true. Pardon my optimism. Uh, yeah. yeah uh, well. Uh, well. Uh, you see, I'm. Uh, I uh, in. in <clears throat> We were speaking whether uh, which painting is realist and which one isn't. In that sense, I'm squarely uh, a realist painter. No place for excessive optimism. I'm a realist. (laughs) 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 Okay, so feel um, free to go as dark as necessary. Yeah, yeah, we're in the midst of it. Um, Hopefully, towards the end. Uh, But, but, uh, but, but. as we speak, we're like, like right now, we are in the beginning of uh, our third uh, lockdown. Uh, so <clears throat> my classes once again uh, shift to online format. Uh, there are all kinds of solutions that uh, I've uh, implemented when uh, the uh, Corona crisis uh, has uh, started. Uh, I can't say that I'm having fun doing that. Not at all, um, but uh, but it requires even more creative creativity, uh, looking for creative solutions. Um, I have adapted to the uh, Zoom format, and that has completely restructured my classes. I mean, it would be completely ridiculous to uh, to teach the way I normally teach, except doing that. Through the uh, through the uh, digital media, uh, I've restructured my classes. Uh, I have uh, created new types of educational products. Um, so uh, so let's say I, I've designed uh, stru- uh, workshops that are adapted to the online format. Uh, I've recorded. Uh, uh, Two or three, uh, I think three, uh, three, um, uh, three workshops that uh, do not require my presence. They can be, uh, they can be purchased on the school website and uh, downloaded. Um, 
so 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 uh, so I mean I would who could have thought that uh, <laughs> anyone would be anyone in the right uh, in the in the in the right mind would be doing that that kind of stuff. I mean you 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 study painting in the dirty studio, um, and uh, the uh, the uh, Corona crisis has changed that. Um, and I'm, I'm, I now, and, and here my pessimism kind of ends because I, do, uh, I, I think there are some, it has brought some positive, uh, positive uh, changes and some really, really, it has necessitated some really interesting solutions mm. uh, that are not just, um, uh, they, that are not just uh, business models that uh deal with uh unpleasant situations it's not it's 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 really uh we i i i think we really managed to create new ways of teaching that are effective uh that are useful that are time and space friendly mm. yeah i to i totally relate to that both both sides of that statement the, the the first which is who would have thought i mean if you if you asked me a year ago i would have been like what are you what are you talking about let's go to the met you know let's be there in person let's be all together um but now i've grown so impressed with what uh the wizards of tech have provided us with in terms of these tools and how we can adapt them for teaching online that it just Really, I'm, I'm blown away not by how possible it is to teach because this really depends on us as teachers and, and isn't as interesting as looking at the results that the students are showing. You know, the, the actual metric that I am very conscious of is whether or not after I've communicated something online to somebody who's in Australia and we've never met and likely won't meet anytime soon, whether or not they understand it, can implement it and demonstrate that this knowledge has has. You know, passed on, and I think it's um at least on my end it's it's undoubtedly working. you know people understand they don't need to be in the same room with me as I thought they needed to be and also i've I've noticed that beyond having to develop new ways of structuring the curriculum, I had to become better as a teacher because I can no longer just grab their brush and show them on their canvas. You know, I exactly. was so used to thinking like, this is the wrong color, but let's mix it together. Da, 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 mix, da, 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 applied and it, and it works. But now I have to literally communicate, okay, so you need to put much less yellow, much less white in order to negotiate that value. I need to actually learn to say everything. Uh, because now it's it's all about our ability to communicate. So I feel like it has necessitated a much more rigorous way of communicating the knowledge, at least on on my part. And when this crisis ends and it can't happen too soon, I think uh, those of us who've been committed to making this change work will come out of it with some tools, new tools in our in our box. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I, I feel like I've experienced uh, everything that you're saying. I, uh, uh, I'm profoundly encouraged by um, the uh, paintings that my students uh, manage to produce, uh, even though I don't see them in person, neither the students nor the paintings. Well, it, eventually I do see the paintings uh, because, uh, because uh, we... Uh, um, even we do meet for critiques in the studio. Uh, it, even if it's only once a year, we make that happen. Mm. 
uh, it's like you see the paintings eventually uh, and uh, it's always pleasant to uh, discover that the uh, uh, photographs are uh, are not uh, that far from the truth uh, uh, that the photographs are representing the qualities that actually exist in the real thing. Mm. Um, we do have to communicate way more clearly. And um, and we, we can't use our hands too much uh, when we're in front of the screen. And that's, uh, that's definitely a positive thing because this is how we... Uh, clarify our thoughts about painting for ourselves. Uh, the thing that I do miss tremendously and um, and which I find irreplaceable is uh, a physical contact with art. Mm. I can communicate a lot to my students without seeing them in person, but I cannot get enough communication channeled into my senses without having that Rembrandt in front of me. Right. Um, and um, for all these months, I just, I, I, my suffering from digital images has only been increasing. I want to see the real thing. Um, great art has to be a, has to be experience in front of great art and we, we need to be in its presence um i totally relate i just want to jump yeah. in and ask whether or not you think mm -hmm. that's a definitional thing like when you ask yourself what is a painting what is a great painting is it by definition something that has to be experienced when you're there in person i mean i i would say yes but i'm wondering how you think about that well, I, I think i think i i think that she needs one of the uh, one of the definitions of a great painting. Uh, a, uh, a great painting is that which cannot be channeled through any means of reproduction. Hmm. Uh, uh, photographs, whether prints or digital photographs, are usually making bad paintings better, and they usually make good paintings worse. Hmm. And they need very, very little um uh out of the totality that there is in a great painting mm. um when i go to a museum um i i usually i i all of us i guess i take my sketchbook uh more often than not i don't even bother sketching i i just write Mm -hmm. I write pages and pages and pages of observations. Uh, I uh, like uh, um, it, it's uh, observations that I experience in front of that work of art. Um, in my last visit to a great museum uh, that was in uh, Naples, two great museums, Capo di Monte uh, and uh, the. Uh, National Archaeological Museum. Um, so, so, so I, I feel like there are loads of information that I'm absorbing, and I just have to write it down while I'm there. Uh, I can look for hours at the digital image on my computer screen, 
and I, I, I don't know. It's like it's mm-hmm. nice. I, I, uh, it's better than nothing, but uh, it's way better than nothing. But the scope of information that I get out of it is uh, very minimal. And maybe it's because in painting, uh, when, when, when in, in, in the art of painting, information isn't just information. It's, uh, it's, some, it's, some, it's, it's experience. It's, um, mm. it's emotion. Uh, it's, it's like as, 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 if you, as if you were getting information in, um, in an envelope of uh, human experiences that mm. are, cannot even be quantified. That's beautiful. Okay. I think I think this also ties back, and I'm I'm growing increasingly conscious of your time. So I think we're gonna we're gonna. Oh no, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. You're fine. Mm-hmm. Okay. So this yeah. this ties us back to to something that uh, I may I, I told myself that I wanted to go back to. So we were talking about the Egyptian sculptures, and we were saying how they're very difficult to date. They're very difficult to kind of even wrap our heads around and you're saying that it's this quality of art that you're you're looking for you're looking for 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 capturing that kind of essence in your own practice and you're saying that you're in the museum and you're taking all those pieces of notes that all of us want to see published one day uh but but <laughs> but perhaps perhaps give us give us a clue into what are those what are those things that the the great art of the past that kind of art that cannot be dated what um what's being distilled in your mind when you're when you're contemplating this thing what makes them great what makes them timeless Ooh, okay that's a lot of question in a few phrases sorry um, <laughs> uh, what makes them timeless uh, they look back at me and I see myself in them mm. that's what makes them timeless Um, I mean, it's, it's not even about art. It's, it's beyond art. Um, and, uh, and, I mean, uh, like, well, we had, uh, in, in, in the Tel Aviv right now, we, we have an exhibition of uh, Jeff Koons, which I got to see. So this stuff is dated. I mean, this is, I mean, It's no longer interesting you've see you you've seen it yesterday you don't want to see it tomorrow it's really dated and why is that well it's uh you 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 can analyze it on all kinds of levels uh you can dislike the colors you can think that the style is kitsch well it's that too but it's just there there is not a single uh cell of me in them mm Um, uh, the, um, they, they, are, they are not revealing anything about myself okay mm-hmm. the, uh, the critics like the, the more positive uh, po- uh, the more um, positively disposed critics of uh, let's say an artist like Jeff Koons they're saying well they, they tell a lot of things about our time and the consumer culture and blah 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 Okay, fair enough. Uh, they tell me about our time and our consumer culture. Fair enough. Do I see myself in that work of art? And um, 
and and I'm afraid the more the the the, 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 the uh, so it's in, in a way you can be really really dated communicating about really contemporaneous experiences in your art mm. because because you say something about today it's it may still be relevant tomorrow it may be not but there's if there's no uh, if, 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 if there is no human germ in it, then there is nothing. There, there, there is there is no texture to be to to rub your eyes against. Mm-hmm. But what causes that human germ to yeah. exist or okay. not exist? Yeah. So so that's 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 the other that's the other part of your question. Uh, I, I was, I was still, I'm sorry, I'm slow. I'm still answering the first word. Oh, sorry. I'm uh, just like, I'm so overwhelmed with how good, <laughs> with how, how much I have to ask. So it's, uh, it's kind of coming out in verse. So, 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 so what now the problem with, uh, painting is that you can't say, well, I feel so human today. I feel, I mean, I, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm all love and kindness today and I will channel that. Uh, uh, energetically onto my canvas, and I will exhibit that, and people will have that profound spiritual human experience. Well, that's bullshit. Okay? Uh, I mean, you, uh, paintings are made with mud. They're made with dirty brushes. They're made with all sorts of strange uh, materials that you don't want to put in your mouth. Okay. Um, and uh, they are not made with uh, thoughts and emotions. Okay. Um, you can experience whatever thoughts and emotions as you paint, uh, but if you have no clue how to use those materials, well, I'm sorry, that's in you may be a wonderful human being, but you have to learn a lot about the uh, the craft. Um, so. So, what's what are what are the prerequisites uh, for what are the formal visual prerequisites for a good work of art to be relevant today, tomorrow, or uh, uh, no matter when it was created, yesterday or three centuries ago? well, I, no one can give a full answer to that question because uh, that, that's what we perpetually try to figure out. This is what I was trying to figure out as a student going to museums. This is what I keep trying to figure out again and again and again and again because the answer is not is never complete. Um, uh, on the most superficial level, and by superficial, I mean visible, which is not which is not um, a bad thing. I mean, mm-hmm. it's a, a superficial in painting is also very very fundamental. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's the form, it's the structure, it's the visual structure. Uh, how that thing in front of us is constructed? How do the parts um, make up the whole? How do the parts um, create internal tensions amongst themselves while being one thing. Mm. Um, and uh, 
Egyptian art is uh, the, the better Egypt, the, the better specimen of Egyptian art uh, are Greek teachers. Mm. Yeah, we, we, we don't, we, uh, like, the, the, these are sculptures mainly, well, okay, yeah, there, are, there are these amazing Fayum portraits, uh, which are exactly Egyptian, but uh, they are as great as any painting that was ever made. The better ones, at least. Uh, and uh, yes, it's about it's about how it is structured and how the parts have tension amongst themselves while being one unified thing. I love that. I think I'm going to add a f- maybe my two cents on it because, of mm-hmm. course, it's it's something that I'm also <laughs> thinking about and and hoping to one day be able to to create. I think there's something that's extraordinarily compelling hypnotic um and attractive about an object that exhibits the feeling that the whole is more than the sum of the parts i think something totally fails if it has more you know tiny little detail and pitch of guess that later does not translate to a large simple kind of message a striking presence and i think there is something about you know looking at the egyptian work or at rembrandt's work where you see it, in the egyptian work it's even more clear you see these are very very simple shapes very geometrically designed harmoniously put together and what comes out of it is this whatever it is a deity or mm. an animal or or something that that feels Like it could not have been made from such a collection of simple shapes, right? Or when you get that feeling when you look at a Rembrandt and initially, you know, you're stricken by how it looks like he has a glossy metallic armor, but you come up close mm-hmm. and there's no metallic, no armor, no nothing. It's just mm-hmm. a calligraphy of, of very simple marks. And those very, very simple marks that are not at all, they don't appear labored. They don't appear contrived. They appear just an honest, concise sentence, a few very simple uh, statements that then transfigure into something that's much bigger. And I don't, I don't know if you, if you relate to that, but to me, this is, this is really something that I find in common with, with art that I call timeless, that something great has been created from the parts that are visible on the surface. And I see that they are simple. I see that all the parts are simple, mm-hmm. but the magic happens in, Uh, between how simple the parts are and how magnificent and majestic the whole is, which also should serve as some kind of motivation to those of us listening to not worry too much about the detail. Actually, don't worry about how many details you can put into a painting, but rather maybe how many details you can get away with not painting at all while still uh, you know, prioritizing this feeling of the entire picture, the whole image. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, you're absolutely right. Um, there, is, there are parts and there is a whole, and uh, we, we don't quite know how the whole becomes so much greater than the sum of its parts mm-hmm. in great works of art. Um, but I have a hypothesis how we can strive there. Mm. Uh, how we can strive to make those great paintings that are way more than the sum of their parts. And my hypothesis is very simple. Get rid of all the unnecessary parts. Beautiful. When every single part of a painting becomes necessary, the painting has a pretty good ch- chance of being 
better than all the parts on their own. I love it. That's so profound. I feel like we should end on this. So Ilya, maybe okay. you can tell our <laughs> listeners where they can find you. Uh, well, uh, the, the, uh, my, my physical body is currently in Tel Aviv. <laughs> <laughs> and for those of us interested in your work and, and your teaching. No, uh, my, uh, I'm, I'm joking. I'm, I'm joking. My, um, my, my personal website, Ilya Gefter, I-L-G-E-F-T-E-R.com. That's where you can see my, uh, recent and not so recent paintings. Um, the uh, website of my art school is visualartcenterta.com. Uh, well, you can spell visual art center and then put ta at the end.com. Um, uh, and um, I'm on uh, Facebook. I'm, 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 a, I'm a very lazy Instagram user, uh, but I have an Instagram account. I think it's really a gesture, uh, dot art. But well, if you, if you look up really gesture, you'll find me. Um, uh, so yeah, these are, these are the, uh, the, uh, uh, media where you can find me. Oh, and I also have, I also have a YouTube channel, which isn't that active, but occasionally I, I do post, uh, interesting, hopefully interesting videos, uh, some, uh, uh, some lectures that I've, uh, delivered some, uh, uh, fragments from my art classes. So you are more than welcome to follow that too. Uh, I think uh, if you type what you get on YouTube, you'll find it. And if, uh, if, um, the, I, I feel kind of bad that there was one question you asked twice and I didn't give a full oh, answer. So and I want must, to, so we must include it so then. If, if, include I, if I, if I may, and, and that, that, that was a practical thing. And so if I, if I can hopefully, uh, leave, um, a little bit of practical advice, I'll be Go happy for it. to Go do for that. It. So you were asking me at a certain point, uh, how um, do I express to my students uh, that the painting is a painting and how come they hopefully manage to um, manifest that idea in their work? Mm. Well, uh, there, are two, there are two ways in which I do. Uh, first, I discuss what the painting is. And uh, the uh, answer to that question isn't that simple. Um, uh, I, I discuss what a painting is as an object, like is it is it is a piece of paper or canvas stretched on uh, on a, on straight on 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 a, on a rectangular wooden frame, and what's in it? What how what what makes that canvas into a painting? Well, it's uh, uh, shapes of color, uh, maybe some lines, uh, tones, um, uh, different values, and so forth and so on. So, uh, so we discuss what a painting is as an object structurally, what it's made of. Okay. It's a rectangle with certain things in it, and we discuss what these things are. Um, now, I also discuss painting as a complete, in, in completely different terms. Painting is a process. A painting is not just a thing. In the English language, painting is a verb and a noun. Mm. And you, if you separate the verb from the noun, you are left with a piece of the most boring decoration. <laughs> okay, so so what is let's say, let's say what is the difference between uh, a copy of a Monet and a Monet? There there are many ways to look into it. 
but uh, of course, we all want the real thing because it's more expensive and you can sell it on Saturdays and so forth and so on. But uh, but let's say okay, we don't get to sell it. Like you, you have to keep it. You're not you're not allowed to make any money. Uh, you, you're not allowed to earn a single dollar. Uh, you just you get to keep it. So so why is the money better? Well, it's it's better. It, it has more. It's more profound. It has more presence. Why? Uh, because a copyist is copying the surface, he's taking the process of arriving at that surface out. Mm. Okay. So a painting uh, is is more than the object. It's 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 the physical process that was invested into making it. Okay. So uh, and I really emphasize the physicality. Uh, and we'll get to that in a second. Um, um, so, 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 okay. So, in order for paintings to look like paintings rather than illustrations, I first discuss what a painting is. Then, I do something real. Some, uh, some, someone kind of maybe evil. Uh, I impose strict limitations. So, I, I give a list of things uh, to what 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 you must know. You must not do. Um, and and these limitations uh, force the students to put aside their natural tendencies and expectations. So let's say so let's say uh, a certain student really uh, likes to paint textures in a certain way. I impose the limitations that that make it impossible. Mm. And what we are left with, uh, if the limitations are adhered to, is a painting that kind of looks like a painting, surprisingly. Mm. Okay. Um, and uh, there, there can be all kinds of limitations. I think, I think that the the uh, uh, the better you are, the fewer limitations you can have. But you really have to earn uh, that uh, scope of tools. To use, mm. I really, I really limit the the amount of tools. So sometimes, sometimes I limit the the amount of colors on the palette. Sometimes they say, okay, use whatever number of uh, colors that you want to use, but you only get to have uh, seven shapes in that painting. I love it. Okay, uh, so so let's so let's like when when you are strictly limited to uh, seven to putting down seven shapes on a, on a canvas. You, you just there's no chance you're going to paint those eyelashes right okay um uh so uh, yeah you, you really you so so there's the theoretic uh approach and there's a practical approach and uh, they uh, hopefully work together now there was uh something else I remember ah the physicality yeah the physicality that's that's that can be treated as another limitation for example, uh, that the brush stroke must be visible. Mm. That's a very, very practical limitation, in my opinion. You know, some people really don't want that. They want the painting to be very uh, pleasant and smooth. And I said, no, okay, we don't get to do that. <laughs> every every brush stroke must be visible. Uh, and uh, and uh, that really helps um, turn the painting into a process rather than into making a particular a particular thing i think that's brilliant i think that's brilliant and i think that's that 
it speaks so immediately um, about painting as a language, which is something that that you said, which I think is probably going to end up being the title of this episode, um, because language has limitations. You know, language, yeah. if you are using language well, then you don't have endless letters. You have a set yeah. of letters. You know, you have to do some things so such that people will understand what you're saying. You have to follow the rules of a language and, and rules are sometimes just another way of saying limitations. So I yeah. think you're just on the money there, just creating those limitations will, I, I kind of ran through these exercises in my mind as you were explaining them. And it's, it sounds, it may sound simple to those of you listening, but these things will absolutely produce paintings as opposed to illustrations. So I think, I think they're brilliant. Ilya, thank you so much for taking the time for doing this. This was amazing. Ken, it was so fun and so pleasant. Thank you very much. Uh, it was a very meaningful conversation for me. Thank you for joining me. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to see it grow, please take a moment to subscribe, rate it highly, and share it with a friend. If you'd like to become a supporter of the show and have access to exclusive content, please consider signing up as a patron at patreon.com slash Ken Goshen. For online lessons, please visit kengoshen.com slash lessons. Thanks again and see you next time.